A big mazel, Maisha mazel tov to Yitzel. You watch the chasna? It's the new version. I was at the wedding. Is I saw the. <laughs> you saw Manny from there. You heard we danced. We had a whole record here. We danced in front of the chasnek alley here, dancing and singing. Mo, what? They sent the video to him. I don't think it's a Zoom wedding. They're, 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 you can watch a video or something. It's funny, we were all dancing in front of the chasnek, and then Moyo comes running in from outside with a glass of water. <laughs> Clean his shoes. Clean his shoes, yeah. So this is There's a famous tshuva rekiveger. So it's called always, when they make a suda for a chasin, shaloi b'fanav, it's called suda suki vegar. The velt says a line that it takes a tzaddik to feel somebody else's pain and it takes a malach to enjoy his simcha. That a tzaddik like feels nebuch somebody's suffering, that's a tzaddik. To appreciate somebody's simcha, somebody's simcha, to be fired up by something that takes like an angel, to be fired up by a simcha. For us, Yitzi gave so much here. The guy gave so much to Yeshiva, it's easier to feel a simcha. Yitzi Pasha invested so, so, so seriously here for years, Binyamin. He invested here in Yeshiva. Yeah. It's very, it's, I want to start Musravad. It's interesting times. Tonight is Danny and Ellie's yard site. And we will be making tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the base Medrash. We'll have an Asifa like we've done every year. We will be talking about Danny and Ellie's yard site. It's, it's interesting. Fours love emotions. If you know the Enneagram, fours, Shlema, love emotion. They love being emotional. A good, sad story, a four loves a sad story. They crave that. They like emotions. They thrive on emotions. Fours are the Enneagram, the personality type. Nobody ever understands me. It's a certain guy, and they love emotion. They, that's, how they, that's how they're alive with emotion, sad, happy. So a good four loves like a yardside gathering. Yeah, it's good and sad, and I cried. I'm not a four, and I want a happy yeshiva. And it's, it's, not, it's not the vibe of the yeshiva to bring the tragedy to get people to shtag. That's not the vibe of the yeshiva. I have, the guys know that I've been offered for many years to bring the yeshiva to Poland, to concentration camps, and I'm not against going. I may go one day, and I'm not against anybody here ever going as an individual. The general drive of the yeshiva is to see the kindness of Hashem. I want a guy to have a great lunch and become from from that binyamin. I want a guy to enjoy binyamin, hanging with binyamin, and become from from that. I want the energy of becoming inspired is to see chesed Hashem. Hashem loves us. I want a guy to learn that to feel it, to experience it, and get from and reciprocate the love to Hashem. I don't have the vibe, Holocaust, it's a different type of way. People are all emotional and sad. I'm going to die to come from. There is such a mentality. Remembering that we don't live forever is important. But it's not, there's a vibe of tragedy, and somehow through tragedy, motivating, steiging, that's not the, that's not the drive of the yeshiva. I don't want to bring us, we were all killed, you all should be from. That's not the, 
that's not the energy of the Frumkite. The Iker Siba of Tshuva is Hashem so kind, let me do Tshuva. When Yaakov Avinu in a few parashiyas sees Yosef HaTzadik, he hadn't seen Yosef HaTzadik in years, 22 years, and he sees his son, Yaakov Avinu says, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekin, Hashem Shmaim. That is the essence of a Yid. We're Bnei Yaakov, we come from Yaakov Avinu, our name is Bnei Yisrael, our very name carries his name. We're Bnei Yisrael. And the essence of a Yid is good tidings, a good besura becoming from her. Gishmak, I'm becoming from her. Friendship, I'm becoming from her. That's the essence of a yid. So my high that we're showing, Danny and Ellie, a yard say, well, most of the guys today didn't meet him, didn't meet Danny, didn't meet Ellie. So my high, like tomorrow, I want to introduce, I want to create some sadness, like there should be a little sadness. Yeah, I want it to be a freilich, happy place. Gishmak, lebedek. I'm introducing Danny and Ellie to the guys for one reason. I'm not, there's not two reasons, not four cheshbainas. I want to give a gift to Danny, to Danny and Ellie. I actually want to give them an Ali, an Oilam Abba. I want to be loyal. And both of them are in Oilam Abba and certainly have much schar, but they can't acquire new schar in Oilam Abba. And I want to give them, I want to give them gifts. And any inspiration that I can create specifically from their memory, the focus tomorrow we do every year, we're going to ask guys to speak up. We're going to talk about a sugya. Yearly we bring up a sugya of Musa. We first talk a little about Dan and Ellie. Danny and Ellie to be Messiah. People should hear a realistic portrayal of these two precious B'nai Torah. And then we pick a Musa topic that we have a yeshiva discussion about. And any inspiration, any growth that comes from that discussion is a schus, belongs to Danny and Ellie. From their memory, from remembering who they were, there's a Cyrus for tshuva, for improvement. We then discuss a specific topic of, of tshuva, of, of, of improvement. And then any, and we ask guys to speak up. We'll have a specific topic. And then we'll have that Musa discussion. It's something precious that we've done now for many years. And I want to give Danny and Ellie a gift. That's it. I want to give two friends a gift. And that is the purpose of tomorrow. If we're not going to be loyal in yeshiva to our friends, who else is going to be loyal? Yeshiva is a place of relationship, eternal relationship, long-lasting ones. And I don't want to forget two friends. I don't want to forget two friends. I want to continue to give gifts and to continue the relationship to them both. And we continue the relationship by giving them. I want you to know something that when people lose a departed one, comfort's very hard to find. It's painful, it's difficult, and it's very hard to be comforted. In, it, there's very little you could say to somebody who loses a departed one. It's powerful, it's overwhelming. One of the only comforts you could ask in cult food says Yisrael, in all Jewish environments, one of the only comforts is doing something, in a profound way, doing something for their memory. Recalling something about them is a comfort. And the comfort is because in a very real way you gave them a gift. It's very comforting to reconnect. To, stay, to say and to recognize I still have a relationship. It's really the only comfort. People who lose a child will always start. My high school friend was Nifter. The parents, his parents are tzaddikim. And they started an organization called Yad Avigdor. Avigdor is helping hands. 
and they pay for Yusaymim. Any Yusaymim, they pay for a lot of the wedding. Yusaymim and Yusaymais. And they pay for a lot of the wedding and do other things for Yusaymim in memory of Avig the Glazer. And the reason they do it, it is because they're giving a gift to him. And it's a huge comfort. They lost their son. It's a huge comfort they're doing something. It's a comfort because it's true. It's a comfort because the soul is in Eilum They're in Eilum and we're doing it and staying connected. It's an awesome comfort to connect, to recall them up and have a conversation. It's a comfort. That's doing something. So that is the point that we'll do tomorrow. It is emotional times. I want to say that both of them grew in yeshiva. When you invest in yeshiva, you're investing in a very smart place because think investments they made in yeshiva, they impacted other guys in yeshiva, who impacted others, who impacted others. You could still have in yeshiva behaviors that they help facilitate still live in yeshiva. So the investing in a yeshiva, if a guy steigs somewhere on an island somewhere, so he has his merit. A guy steigs in yeshiva, he doesn't only have his merit, he impacted another guy. Who impacted another, impacted another, you gain tremendously, tremendous merits. That's both the Eli and Dani Sugya, and both Lahavdu ben Chaim Lechaim, the Chasn right now, who shall live Arichas Yam Vishanem Yitzi, he invested, Yitzi race invested tremendous amounts in Yeshiva, and will reap the benefit. He impacted dozens and dozens of guys who will in turn impact the next guy and the next. He made a certain type of environment. And there's, there's tremendous amounts of benefit that will come and continue to come and continue to be for him and his wife for forever and ever. So I do appreciate a lot what Yitzi brought here and as such, celebrate with him his, his Semcha. I want to get back to Parsha Lech Lecha. I want to jump. There's a Parsha I learn every single year. Every single year with the guys, it is, um, it's a very sad, I, I asked Mechila, it's a sad Parsha, and we study this once a year, Parsha's Lech Lecha. It's one of the saddest Parshas in the Torah, but I hope to you and I to turn it into a positive, to turn it into affect our decisions. This decision of light hits me in places, and all of us have, our, have these moments in our lives, and the goal is to choose that which is good and to make the right choices. Maybe learning this parsha will impact our choices of life. Light is a figure, is, is Avram Avinu's nephew, who becomes very wealthy from being around Avram Avinu. It's awesome to be around Avram. The word relevance, when you're around Avram Avinu, Avram is serving Hashem. Avram is spitz relevance. It's relevant. It's Nigeya. It's relevant, spitz relevance. Being around Avram is relevance and importance. All our lives, we want to be involved in relevance. We want to do things that matter, do things that are important. There's words we say in davening, Leman Niga Larik. These are very powerful words. Is this Ashkenaz? Nothing against fight, I'm just not familiar with that. Some of my best friends in the world come from Sfarad. I'm friends with Chaim Guri. I just am more familiar with Ashkenazic Siddur. We say in... Um, 
We say a line in Avalatsin every morning. We say, Please give me Avas Hashem, the Yerasai, and fear or awareness of Hashem. The last I want to do His will. I want to serve Him with a whole heart. In order that I shouldn't toil for nothingness. And I shouldn't be born into confusion. I don't want to toil for nothingness and born into confusion. I want something meaningful, a purpose, a sense of something that's important. We all want to be Isaac in things that are relevant and matter, significant. Nobody wants to spend their lives in things that like it didn't matter. It was just what? We want to do things that are meaningful and important, things that are eternal, things that have value. Nobody wants to be born for Rick, for emptiness. To be born just into utter confusion, into utter nothingness. We want to have meaning and purpose in our lives. We, want, we don't want to be yagea larik, to work for, for meaningless things. Nobody wants that. Being around Avram Avinu is the spitz of relevance. He's a person who brought a system of Avodah Hashem. There's a Jewish singer who I like a lot. I like his thoughts. I've heard interviews. My son introduced me to somebody. His name, is Leonard. His name was Leonard Cohn. Leonard Cohn died... And one of the last, one of the later interviews of his life, he said, I found God, but I never found the system of serving God. It makes me cringe and feel so sad for the man. What a tsar. He was a yid. He never found the Torah. He never found Avram Avinu. He never found an intricate system of serving Hashem. People hear, Rabbi, that Avram Avinu taught Hashem Echad. How long did it take Avram Avinu to teach that? This is a God. Okay, next group, next crew. Like, how long was his seminar, Avram Avinu? Never, don't be shallow, guys. He didn't just teach as Hashem. Avram Avinu taught an intricate system of serving Hashem. Svarim say that he was mechavan to the entire Torah, that he was mechavan to Philacrates, he was mechavan to Tzitzis, he was mechavan to the Torah. Avram Avinu had a whole system how to serve Hashem and taught it, a system of serving Hashem. He discovered Hashem and he discovered Lishmar Derech Hashem. He showed a whole system of how to serve Hashem. The tragic line of Leonard Cohen, I discovered God, but I didn't discover a system to serve him. It's called Torah. Hey, somehow he didn't discover Torah remarkably. It was in his backyard. It was my Russia Kilas Yaakov. It's Munach Bikaren Zavis, Gemara Kedushin. Komisha writes a little, Yava It was right there. He didn't bend down to pick it up. And anybody wants a system. And around Avram Avinu, he had a massive system of serving Hashem. Avram Avinu, the whole world was drawn to Avram Avinu. It was magnetic experience of service of Hashem. When we started Durham five years ago, we moved on to this campus. I made a prediction to the guys. And I said it because I've seen my whole life. Serving Hashem is relevant. I promise the guys, guys grow here. Just a fact. People get closer to Hashem. And I promised the guys I was willing to swear. I didn't swear. Try not to swear, but I promise the guys that G'daylum will show up here. 
There will be G'daylam here. Tzaddikim will come. I don't know how. I'm not going to call them. They'll just come. Because it's obvious that guys grow here and get closer to Hashem. And an environment of Avodis Hashem is magnetic. It draws in mitzvah, gareris mitzvah. Kedusha draws more Kedusha. Just what happens. It's relevance. It's, it's the place to be. And I promise the guys, the yeshiva gets an executive director who decides that he needs to helicopter in Gedolim. He had a cheshbin, gishmak. Out of the sky were falling tzaddikim, mamish. They were helicopter. By, by, by the day, it was mudna. This, it, was, it was mudna, but obvious. It only is a question how it was going to happen. So it fell out of the sky. He had a helicopter parachuted here. Gedolim, tzaddikim were like coming here. It was obvious. There's a place of sincerity, of service of Hashem. That's what happens. It doesn't matter what story is going to bring them. That's just what happens. It's very interesting. If you ever go to the funerals of Sadiqim, I'm always surprised that there's a late night Goggle club. All the G'daylum are close. I think they meet in the middle of the night when we're all sleeping and they have like a Godel conference. At G'daylum, like Rav Dan Segel got up at every Godel of Ayah, my chaver. When did you get close? You're here. Rev. Volba always said that he had shaykhs to every tzaddik. I think a lot of people were insulted. Him, didn't but Rev. Volba said if there's a tzaddik in the world, like he, he benefited. It's funny, there were tzaddikim. It's funny visual because there were 10 tzaddikim mm-hmm. who died holding a key. I think all 10, it's in, it's in Yushalayim Shalmala, a book that's trustworthy about big tzaddikim Yerushalayim. There were many tzaddikim, like 10 of them, all hold, died holding a key. And it turned out they had a secret club. They would meet at these 10 tzaddikim. I always liked that, because my visual, all tzaddikim have tzaddik club. You know one day, Vicky Benayim is going to get a call. Vicky, come to the club. 1240, right behind the Carlton. Like, <laughs> like there's, there's a tzaddik club. All tzaddikim seem... But ruchnius, draws ruchnius. Just how it works. It's magnetic. It's relevant. It's important. And it counts. And as such, it draws. Being in Beis Avram was the spitz relevance. You were by Avram. It drew. It was magnetic. It was important. It was relevant. And light merited to be in Beis Avram. That's what Lloyd had the schos. He had special ends with Avram. He was Avram Avinu's nephew. Avram Avinu fought a war to get to save Lloyd's life. He was just, you, you were at the center, you were around Avram. The Torah, it's so fascinating. The Torah, the Torah, which is the blueprint for the world. And when we say that Tzaddik, it says, Tzaddik Yisoyed Olam. A Pasuk and Mishlei. Tzaddik is the foundation of the world. The whole world's built on the Tzaddik's back. If you read the Torah, it's very, very cool to read the Torah. Beresha starts with the creation of the world. You know, you know in a movie, they have the video from far and you slowly, like a dramatic scene, you come from the wide view and it starts focusing in. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about a movie? Yes. And all of a sudden, it spotlights right on to a person. It's like a dramatic, it goes from far into a big picture. And then you get closer. Every movie you watch starts with, starts with a collection of events until you start identifying the main character. 
And then that guy becomes clearly the center of everything and the camera's on him. That's every movie. You don't know when you start the movie who the main character is. What's it, you just see a lot and then you start gaining clarity. This is the guy, it's about him. He's the villain, he's the hero, whatever, whoever it's about, but it's about him. So that's how movies work. Lahavdil and infinite, eternity to very temporary. The Tyrak Daisha starts about Bria Salem. It's a general picture. Bereshis Berlik is Shemayim The creation of everything around us. And then it zones in. Generations of people are just, he's born, he dies, he's born, he dies. All different, like quick pictures of a lot. And then the Torah centers in on Avram and his family and his history unto us. Avram to Yitzchak to Yaakov to Yaakov's children, the Shivtei That becomes the focus of Hashem. This is the blueprint of the world. There's a beautiful world. And then the Torah describes the creation of that world, and then it gets to the main character, the most loyal, the one who's the most relevant. All relevant starts with him, Avram Avinu. And light is Zaychet to be in Avram's orbit. There's a line of Chazal. The Messiah Sisharm brings this line about the tzaddik. The whole world was created to connect to this one. The whole world, the whole Bria was created for the tzaddik. And Avram Avinu, the servant of Hashem, the ernst, the sincere servant of Hashem, around him, somebody described, I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story as an aside. I, my Rebbe doesn't like miracle stories, but like he's passionate about it. He feels there's very little to learn from them. My Rebbe speaks about his father. My Rebbe's father was a big tzaddik, and he never says over miracle stories. He wrote a book about his father. I read the book. It's called Tzidkasay Aymedes La'ad. He doesn't have one miracle story in the whole book. So I once took the yeshiva to Scranton. We were on a ski trip. And the whole yeshiva went to Scranton. With Chaim, was this your days? We did, one of the street trips that we used to take, the two days we were there, was the Scranton yeshiva. We were not Scranton yeshiva, we went skiing in Scranton. We were in Scranton. I have a big sheta. Please keep this. When you're with your families on a vacation somewhere, you're in Philadelphia, it's very nice you visit the Crack Bell. It's even nice you visit Citizen Bank Ballpark. It's all cool stuff. And do that, by the way. Take your kids to the Philly game. Take them to the Crack Bell and whoa, museums don't do it. You could you could stand there and whoa, isn't it amazing? Okay, it's a crack bell. But do what you want. Do all the things that tickle your family, you know, that get you very excited. I ask you, visit the local yeshiva. There's 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 something there that's precious. That's you're in Philly. Pop into you can knock on Shmuel Kamnetsky's door and speak to him. <laughs> See, you're in Philly. Like bring your family for five minutes. He's the God, one of the G'dayle Adar. Go knock on the door and bring your kids for a bracha. So we, the whole yeshiva in Scranton. Let's see the local yeshiva. So we went to Scranton yeshiva. We went to Scranton yeshiva. And the Rosh yeshiva, one of the Rosh yeshivas of Scranton yeshiva, my, Rebbe was, my Rebbe's father was a rav in a town that was mostly not yet from Yidden. The Yidden weren't from. And he was Makar of the Yidden. A lot of the kids became from. A lot of the kids. And one of the Rosh Hashivas of Scranton Yeshiva, I believe, became from through my Rebbe's father. I know he was a Talmud Rebbe's father. He used to have a minion Friday nights. 
He used to have a minion Friday nights that was not only kids were allowed. He didn't want to make a formal minion for a zebra because on Shabbos day he convinced them to walk to shul. Friday night he was worried they would drive to shul. So Friday night only he had a minion with the kids. It wasn't meant for the zebra. There was no, well, no, they were under bar mitzvah. And this way they walked, the kids walked, and he fabrang, they daven, they geschmack. And then they'd walk home with them and they'd eat the suda by his house by my Rebbe, my, my Rebbe's father. So I asked, he was a very fascinating tzaddik who I met, my Rebbe's father. And he was a big tzaddik. He was a big, he was Makarov. He loved Yidin. Tremendous Abbas Yisrael. He was a Talmud Chacham. He was a very unique person. Rev. Aaron Cutler said he was the one, one of the Lamed Vav of the generation. A very, very big person. And, but a very quiet Yid. He was out in a not from town. He was in Ozone Park. If you haven't, on the tip of Queens, well, who's the Queens fellows here? Who heard of Ozone Park here? It's near the Whitestone Bridge, Chaim. It's actually near the Whitestone Bridge. Ozone Park. He grew up in Queens, never heard of Ozone Park. It's near the Whitestone Bridge, Ozone Park. It's one of those communities. You know, the old Rav says, when I was young, my, my beard was black and the community was white. Now I'm old. Oh, okay. I, I'm not, <laughs> anyway, it was, it was an interesting community. I, I like all Goyim. The bottom line is, Chevra, the bottom line is, is that he was, he was a Rav in Ozone Park. The Kitzer is that, um, that this Rosh Hashiva in Scranton was a Talmud of my Rebbe's father. So I was with the Yeshiva, we went to Scranton Yeshiva to Davin and Davening. Afterwards, I asked this Rebbe, could you tell me a story about my Rebbe's father? So he thinks, so I said, yeah, I'll tell you a story. But he said on one condition, okay, <laughs> you do me the favor, don't tell your Rebbe I told you the story. I said, why not? I was that piqued my interest. You know it's gonna be good he said, because it was a nice story. And he said, you, my, you, your Rebbe's going to be mad at me. It's a miracle story. He said, I want you to know that he was Murgul Benisim. This is what he said to me. The down-to-earth Rosh Hashiva. He said he was Murgul Benisim. There were always miracles surrounding him. Being around them, they were always, we were like used to Nisim. We would yawn from Nisim. There were always crazy stuff going on around him. So he said, I want to tell you so, but I know your Rebbe would be mad that I told you. So don't, I never told my Rebbe, he doesn't listen to the tapes, Baruch Hashem. And I never told my Rebbe that I, th- this story. I never asked him about it. One time I want to ask my Rebbe why he's so against Nay's stories. I think he feels like, what are you learning from them? That's not... That's not what to learn from. Learn from... So he wrote a whole book about his father. There's not one miracle story in there. And the Talmidim, our Rebbe knows this, so said he was Murgul beneath him. There were always crazy stuff going around him. So he said, I'll tell you the story, but, but I, the reason I'm telling you this is to be around Sadiqim, to say he was Murgul beneath him, there were always Nisim, of course there's more Benira Yad Hashem. Because the Rebbe lives... Their, their Rebbe lived with the awareness of Hashem. In his presence, you saw what he saw. He saw Hashem all over, and in his presence, you saw Hashem. When he says he was Morgul Benisim, Hashem was like very apparent around him. It was very apparent. You saw Hashem all the time. What was the story he told me? He said that Friday nights, he was part of this minion of kids that would daven with with Ray Peres' father. My Rebbe's father. So he said every Friday night the same thing. For a long time we would daven, finish davening, walk to his home and eat the suda by his home. 
He said, one Friday night, the weirdest thing happens. We finish davening, and we're all ready to go home. My Rebbe said, he says, he says, the Rebbe says to the guys that you all go to my house and tell the Rebbeson to start the suda. I'm waiting in shul. So they say, is everything okay? He said, I want to wait here. I want to wait in the shul in Ozone Park. I'm waiting here. Go home. They were a little surprised. I never did that before. I never did that after. So they all go home. And they start the suda. They tell the Rebetzin that the Rav said, go home, start the suda. I'm coming later. About an hour later, he walks in arm in arm with a beard, a yud with a bird, with a bird. The Mashiach came to, they always thought Mashiach would come to Ozone Park first. He's near the Rebbe. Of course, Mashiach comes to him first. I mean, <laughs> relevance. And he walks in with Mashiach. Like there was no beards in Ozone Park that weren't from Yidin and they were at Shul. He walked in with Mashiach. And Mashiach joined them for the Suda. What happened? This Rav, who later became, they became related to each other. One of their grandchildren married the other's children, a child. I don't remember how they became, I believe they became related. But what, what happened? That Yid was at a Levaya, Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Near Queens somewhere, some cemetery near Queens. And on the way back from Levaya, there was crazy traffic, either on the belt or one of the highways maybe on the van, where crazy traffic, and the Yid saw he wasn't going to make Shabbos. He parked his car on the side of the road and walked into Ozone Park. He walked into a candy store and he said, are there any shuls? He looked up, the guy gave him a phone book and he looked up shuls. And he walked into that shul. Now, they asked the Yid, did you tell Rebbe, did, you, did he know you were coming? He said, I didn't, nobody knew, I was stuck. It was on Shabbos, I was walking. He walked an hour late into the shul, and somehow the Rebbe knew to stay in shul, but there was no contact, and it never happened before, never happened after. He waited in shul. The guy said, I don't know what, when I walked into the shul, the Rav was just there, and then the second I walked in, we walked together. He said he was like Murgle. These were like stories that just always happened to him, that he got this like funny zach to wait in shul. <laughs> he got a, he got a zach thing to wait in shul, he waits there, the guy came and then they walked home together and he had him for the suda. <laughs> See, he said that they were more beneath him. So I, I just broke my Rebbe. I can't even tell the story to my Rebbe, a Gishmaka story. What do I like about the story? Why do I yes like the story? The sense that you're around relevance. You're around the servant of Hashem. Of course, when you say you see Nisim, everybody likes carpet flying. He sees Hashem. He sees Hashem. He sees Yad Hashem. It happens to be the Beis HaLevi says that the, the way to get miracles, open miracles, if you see Hashem when he hides and he doesn't bother hiding. Hashem, what's the difference when you hide? The Beis HaLevi says that if you see Hashem when he hides and he just makes open Nisim for you. It means they were Morgul Venisim. They were, they, Hashem lived by, by their Rebbe. Hashem lived. They saw Yad Hashem. See, you saw Nisim. You saw a funny star. Hashem showed himself. He was, what was the point of hiding around there, Shlomo? So there were stories, there were Kamasi Purim. There were ka- Welcome, Rebbe, welcome, Rebbe. Rebbe was small, uh, small uh, short, I mean. uh, yeah. uh, high, high schedule, high schedule. But maybe tomorrow. Excellent. So, I told them. You know, <laughs> so the bottom line, Rebbe, I say, so the reason I like that story of, of the Nisim is the sense of relevance around, around the Rebbe. And here, Lloyd is by Avram Avinu. 
a light merits a special, special kesher and a connection to Avram Avinu. And I would describe that matziv as a matziv of relevance. I once told you a story that I want to repeat again. I already said it this year. I want to repeat it again, just in this context. And then we're going to move to Parshas, to Tif into Parshas Lech Lech, like this. I once said to a mentor of mine, I told you this before. I said to a mentor of mine, a mentor of mine lost his Rebbe. Reb Shmuel Birnbaum was Nifter. He lost his Rebbe. And I said to my mentor, could I give you an Nechama? Could I say Amakim? Now, I really was asking him if I have a right to say Amakim Yenachim. I wasn't saying, can I comfort you? So he said to me sharply that you don't even feel my pain. Don't try to comfort me. So I said, tell me your pain. Like, let me hear. Teach me. So he said, okay, I'll teach you. He said, you know what it means? We all have times in our life, did you ever have a sense you're somewhere, there's nowhere on earth I'd rather be? The first night of Sukkot, I was sitting in my Sukkot, I was with my family, Maish was there, my wife and children, and two guys who lived in our house for a long time were there with their wives. You couldn't pay me $15 billion to be anyplace else. I... It was like dreamlike. I only want to be here. Only. That feeling is delightful. To be at a place, I want to be here. If we described our yeshiva, a place of growth, guys are where they want to be. I want to be here. Teenagers have FOMO and adults get FOMO. Fear of missing out. You never want to go here and the party was there. You want to be relevant. This is where the action is. This is where... I want to be. He said to me, do you know what it means? He said that he learned in his yeshiva in, as a, as a mesifta based medrash, koilal, and then a rebbe in his yeshiva. He's here X number of years. He said, every single day I walk into the building, I have a sense there's no place on earth I'd rather be. He said, when I see cars pass the building of the yeshiva and go further, I think they're, they're, they're lunatics. They're out of their mind. Hello, stop. <laughs> He's here, Rebbe. Like, this is service of Hashem, relevance. He said, my whole life, every single day, I feel I'm at the center of the world. There's no place on earth I'd rather be. He said, the day my Rebbe died, I don't feel that way anymore. I was like, you know, say, I, like, you say, like, chill out, like, Hashem should come for you. I lost words. He took away my, there was no vocabulary. There was no, there was no words anymore. It was hard to talk. All I could say is God should come for you because I sure can't. It was, it was overwhelming. He described, so light is by Avram Avinu relevance. And the Torah tells us, Maybe you think that, okay, you buy Avram Avinu like it's good for Eilam Abba. It's good for the world to come. It's good in Olam Azeh. You have Olam Azeh and Olam Abonir, Avram Avinu. Vigam Luloid, Oilach Zavram. Of course he had Ruchnius. Of course he had Madrigus. But he gets a Gashmius. The whole world is created. It's a good life. He's serving Hashem. It's a good life. Vigam Luloid, who's with Avram, he has Sainu Vakav Oilam, says Rashi the Chazal. Rashi brings the Chazal, Vigam Luloid, Mi Garam Shahilazais. Who caused that he had such richness? He had Asherus. Tzainu bakar v'aylim. Mi garim shayolayzais. Who caused his wealth? Halichasayim Avram. Going with Avram Avinu caused the mass of Asherus. 
So light, he has the man has it made. He has good in Oilumazeh, good in Oilumabah. You're there, you're at the center of the world. Light has one issue. To be by Avram, to be by the tzaddik has a cost. It's mechaev. Avram is a world of giving. Avram is a world of caring about the zulas. And Lloyd's shepherds steal. They graze their animal. This is the snagdos Tavram Avinu. Their animals graze on other people's grass. Avram Avinu is a world of giving. And Lloyd's animals, Lloyd's shepherds are a little loosey-goosey. Their animals are grazing on others' fields. That's the opposite of Avram. Avram's giving to the Zulas, and Light's sheep are taken from them. They're grazing on fields that aren't theirs. And Avram Avinu won't have any of that. There's a cost to be by Avram Avinu. There's a price. It's wonderful, it's happy, it's eternal, it's relevance. But there's a price to be by Avram Avinu. And the price is you got to give and you can't be a taker. You can't have your, your animals grazing on Yenis Sada. That's the price of being by an Avram Avinu. It's actually also the gains of being by an Avram Avinu. You become a giver, not a taker. But Light's shepherds are letting his animals graze on the Sadas of others. It's such a good visual of that. Of that you're, not, you're not embracing the world of Avram. And Avram Avinu says to Light, we can't stay together. You can't be here like this. Not in the, this is not the world I'm creating. Avram Avinu is being daimet Hashem and is creating a world of giving. The world of stealing that was destroyed by the Mabel, I am moving a new world order in Olam Chesed Yibana, a world of kindness, a world where you care for somebody else's money. And Avram Avinu says to Light, I'm sorry, Light, we can't have a fight. And between my shepherds and yours, I'm sorry, we can't have a fight. Please separate. The first person ever kicked out of Yeshiva. Light, please separate. You can't be here. You're a taker. You can't be here. Now, Light could say, I'm going to stop my shepherds. That's it. No, 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 no. Uncle, uncle, died. Uncle, I'll stop my shepherds. I can't leave her. I can't leave her. I'll stop my shepherds. This is one of the saddest psukim in the Torah. Listen to this. And light picks up his eyes. Light raises his eyes. And he sees. He sees the plains of the Jordan. And it's so lush. It's tempting. Beautiful fields. It's so lush. Before Hashem destroyed it. It was so lush. So tempting. He sees the kikra ayardin kikulay mashka. It was deliciously tempting. It's so tempting. Now, the Torah does something here. The Torah does something here that I want to share with you, my friends. Hashem does something. Do we have any authors amongst us of storytellers? The Torah blows its me. Hashem's a good writer. Really, like, J.K. Rowling wouldn't do this. She just wouldn't. You know what he does, Hashem? Speak, you know what Hashem does? Why did Light choose Stein? Kikra Yardin? Because it looks so fresh. Beautiful! I must have seen, like, Durham in the autumn. Beautiful colors. Gorgeous. Fields, stunning. 
and he's drawn by something that looks so pretty. The irony is, all of us know what's going to happen in Parshas Vayera. That whole stem is going to be destroyed to smithereens. I went on a tour, my wife, myself, and a tour guide, and my uncle Howard, and he took us on a jeep tour through stem, what they claim is today's stem. Not a blade of grass grows. There was all destroyed. They have a place where they say that's lights. Wife, the pillar of salt, who knows? But they claim that area is stone. The tour guide said to us that archaeologists, you know, they, 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 what, they, what word do tour guides always use? I have a rule for tour guide that he says it five times, tour is over, I'm out. What word? Somebody just said it? Cistern. Oh. The cistern, the Turks, they're always talking about cisterns. I don't know, it's a very like tour guide word. I'll go on a tour guide, with, I'll go on a thing with you, don't say the word. I don't want to hear a cistern, I want to hear Ottoman Empire. But they're very big as the cisterns. But anyway, the bottom line is, is the tour guide tells us that archaeologists have proof that this was once a very lush land. Cistern. No, not sisters, cisterns. Cistern. A cistern is like a well, because I always told about water. Any area to be once dwelled needs water supply. So tour guides are very, archaeologists are busy. Where was the water supply? It's like, if you want to like learn the soil, you have it. So they're always like busy with cisterns. It's like a big archaeologist topic. The irony, the irony of Indiana Jones that they turn archaeology into like an adventure. It's the most dry, boring, like, you know, you know they're, they're analyzing a blade of grass and they turn it into like it's an adventure, shooting guns. Like, if you ever met an archaeologist, they do not look like Indiana Jones. You know, it's not what's going on. It's like, it's a guy who's trying to find cisterns. Trust me, he's not shooting guns and beating bad guys. That's not the archaeology. I could show you many professions that I'm much more likely to like engage in gun shooting and <laughs> the, the irony of it like <laughs> archaeologists love Indiana Jones because like <laughs> it's just what they wish they could be and like really the furthest things from Indiana Jones are archaeologists but no making fun of archaeologists they're all cool I don't want you know you get a call tomorrow I listen to your shiurm I'm an archaeologist for 46 years <laughs> I love you you're cool you can find cisterns in all different interesting places the bottom line is, is that, um, is that the tour guide tells us that this place, this place was once very lush. He tells us about Stoim. My wife says, buddy, it's a Pasuk in Lech Lecha. Stoim chose this place. Loi chose this place. Kikulei Mashket was so lush. Now, it always surprises me, Tzvi, why did the tire record the end of the story? It says, Loi sees... The kicker, I yarded that it was so tempting before Hashem destroyed it. Oh, you killed the punchline. You killed the punchline. If a guy's ever reading a book, you never tell him what happens to Voldemort at the end. He's in the middle of Harry Potter. Let him see. Don't tell him which team Snape was on if he's up to book number four. Let him, you, 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 you knock the whole thing. Let him find out if Snape, good, bad. You can't let the guy read it. Let him read it. You never give away what team Snape's on. Never. You kill the book. Here, what did Hashem do? Light chooses the Kikra Yarda because it was so tempting. The whole state could be a great ending. Because way to Parsha, the whole thing gets obliterated, Tzvi. <laughs> it no longer was lush. He chose, like, we'll find that out. 
It's like, a, it's literally, you kill the whole suspense of the story. He chose it because it's beautiful. We know the end, it ain't going to be beautiful for long. And Hashem like puts it in here. Light raises his eyes, sees it's beautiful before it was destroyed. Uh-huh. Like Hashem couldn't wait to tell you the ending. It's going to be destroyed. Wait, 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 wait. Like, we'll get there. We'll get there. Patience. But it says light sees it's beautiful before it's destroyed. What I want to say, Aaron, the reason Hashem wrote that is because I want to say that the person himself who sees the beauty knows that it's vanishing beauty. It's describing what he saw. Before it's destroyed, we know it's an illusion. As we're choosing it, we know it's an illusion. We choose things that are illusions. That's not lasting, that's not staying. And you know it, and you know it. You're choosing fleeting. Light is sitting by Avram, relevance, permanence, eternal, real, authentic, all those words. And you chose something that's an illusion. You chose something, it's Kulay Mashke, it's very lush and it's very pretty, but it's only before it's destroyed. It's describing what he saw. Now, he didn't know how it would be destroyed, but we know the truths. But light sees that which is pretty. And every year, I hope he does different. This is my first time this year reading this. So you'll pardon if I have a little sadness now. Light does it again this year. I thought maybe this year in Parshish Lechla, Uncle Light will finally cousin Light. He's our cousin. I thought this year maybe he'll finally, after all these thousands of years, maybe Light will finally get it right. And shackers of shackers, it's so frustrating. I really wait every I'm so optimistic. I thought this year I would read Parshish Lechla and Light was going to get it right. So frustrating again. He does it again every year. My Rebbe taught me to check every year to see if he does it. And every year I'm like hopeful. This year I'm going to read the parish and Light's going to say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Relevance, permanence, authenticity, and I'm going to choose that. I thought Light this year, would, for this year things are different with COVID, with everything going on, I really thought Light would get smart this year. Shouldn't everybody get smart? We've all learned so much. We've seen we're not as strong as we thought. We seem we don't know it as much as we think we know. We're just rest, less knowledgeable. A doctor told my father about Corona. He said, there's so many strange things, it has to be man-made. What arrogance. No, it's God-made, and you're just not as strong as you thought. <laughs> We, we, we don't know. And I thought maybe this year light would have gotten smarter from COVID. But unfortunately, I'm reading the Pasuk. It's in front of me. If you don't believe me, learn Parshat Lechla yourself. But it says, Light chooses the plains. And he travels. He travels away from God. He travels away. He leaves eternity. He books out of eternity. One of the saddest parishes in the Torah. And light separates from eternity, from relevance, from authenticity, for something that was so attractive. It looked so pretty before it was destroyed. Before it was destroyed, for a few seconds, it did look pretty. I think 
choosing that which is relevant, choosing that which is eternal, reading the, this parsha, the story of all our lives, of choosing that which is important, choosing that which you believe has kayum, is something that counts, is something that matters, is something that's important. And trying hard in our lives to choose that which is important over that which is tempting and fleeting. But we know it's fleeting. But we know it's fleeting. And the Torah records it as such. Light doesn't see I'm by eternal and that also looks eternal. He sees that which is pretty before it's destroyed. That's how Hashem records it, because that's how He sees it. He knows, and we know that it's not real. He knows that's, come on, really? And shoes, what? It's crazy, so upsetting. And then we sometimes imitate Him. It's just maddening. It's just maddening. This Rabbi Sai, this parasha, I like studying this parasha because I find it so relevant every year, and I find it so in our own lives. I'm not even talking about big picture decisions. I'm not even talking about dramatic big ones. This is a dramatic big one. Do I stay next to Avram or do I move out? This is just relevant to every decision, to all little, little decisions. That which is permanent, that which is true, that which is authentic, that which is important, that which is relevant, it matters. It matters because the, the one who's most relevant, because Hashem asked for it, because Hashem commanded it, because Hashem wants it from us, so it's important, so it's eternal. And light is sitting by an Avram Avinu. Whenever I read about a person doing something crazy and bad, you can mock him. How stupid. You read this story, please get upset. Like, no! Like, no, no, you're not serious. Come on. Get very upset, but don't laugh at him, because that's you and I all the time. Don't laugh at him. Don't laugh at him. Don't laugh at the wicked people you encounter. Learn to protect yourself. That's just a human and it's in us. It's just a human and it's in us. You can mock the evil guys. He's crazy. No, he's not Meshuggah. He's not crazy. He's just you and I. And, and their temptations and their, 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 we can space out and lose focus and forget. And the tragedy that Hashem is purposely writing for you and I, it's so obvious Hashem wants me to read this yearly. Light is with Avram, and he's rich from being with Avram. He has the life. He's there. He's He's everything. And he sees something that's very, very lush and tempting before it gets destroyed. And he chooses that. But that's the human being. I can't even understand how we're capable. But who can understand Bechira? Because somehow in that moment, we're capable of choosing them. It sounds crazy, but you and I are capable of that. But it looks so tempting. It really does. But it looks so cool, but it's, it's so neat. But it's not relevant. But it's not, it's not what lasts. It's not what stays. It's not important. But it looks so tempting. That, that he can choose Sidaim over Avram is so upsetting. You, you know, you, you ever, I always have this feeling that I chose for my kids the wrong team. I'm a Met fan, and some of my kids like followed me, and I always have like a terrible guilt. I could have given my kids years of Semcha, like being a Yankee fan, they'll be in the playoffs yearly. Never, maybe Hashem wanted, they'll be more Asmad de 
Like Maish is not the biggest sports fan in the world. He doesn't follow. I'm proud of Maish. I'm proud. I'm proud. He's, we say people say people beg kapara for be the sins therefore. Maish did children. He's not a sports. Not big into sports, and I'm proud of him for it. Thank you, Maish. Thank you. Braz mizake avuim. But I want, I want to say, Rabbi say that sometimes I feel like, how do I choose that team? And what I do to poor Hootie, like, the guy has to be sad yearly. And the next, like, they always find ways to lose like crazy. Like, it's just a certain, so what, what do I do to the poor kid? Here, Lloyd chooses Sadaim over Avram. Sadaim over Avram, he chooses. So maddening, but I think us in learning this parsha yearly have to think about choosing Avram over Stadim. Have to be choose. Have to think about choosing that which is relevant and permanent. I think it's a worthy parish of reading. I have to say, I have to. This is what I wanted to learn. This parish, and we're going to keep learning Avram. We're not going to stop learning Avram. I want to say that wezaychet hashkacha. Everything's hashkacha. There's a Rav Avram here right now. There's a Rav Avram here right now. I want to stop in the middle of this that that the yeshiva we've been on a. We, we in the yeshiva have been on a remarkable journey and we've seen relevance for the simple reason that it's a sincere place of people that grow and people get close to Hashem. And there's somebody that put kishkas years and years into the yeshiva. I always remember Ray Oberlander and appreciate him tremendously around, around the Danny and Ellie's yard site, which is tonight. We're going to do something tomorrow at 11 o'clock. I believe the yard site's Yud. Rachli Menu's yard site is when? Yudal, I always confuse. I have different events. My daughter's birthday is Yudalif. Her name is only not Rachel because that's my wife's name, Baruch Hashem, and I'm not Svardi. That's not Baruch Hashem. If I'd be Svardi, she'd be Rachel anyway. But, um, what? Oh, right, a kid, right? It's only a grandparent. It's a grandparent. It's a grandparent. It wouldn't be true. No, say the truth. Right, it would only be a grandparent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They'll never do parent and child. Grandparent. Is that, that's bad? I don't know the rules. <laughs> you got, the, I didn't know. What'd you say? Yemenites to son, father? No? I know it's very like, it's the inner city. They're very into that. Like Richard III. He's Richard, then Richard, then Richard. I thought by the spy, I thought they stole them. It's only grandparents. There's no, there's no, what? Your grandparents. Yosef, one second. No, but Yosef Mammon did it. Oh, it's his mother. It's his mother. I got it wrong. No, no. His son's name is Moshe and his father-in-law's name is Moshe. I know the Nachom as well. Is he Nachom? But always around this period, Stam, we remember I Oblander always in this yeshiva. He built this yeshiva. But specifically this time, we went through, it was a whole tremendous sar that the yeshiva went through. And all the years, Ryobolander's dedication to the yeshiva, to the mission of the yeshiva, is, is why the yeshiva is today. We spoke before, Yitzhi Reis is chasen as well, we speak right now. And we dance for him. We mamish dance, we set up two empty chairs and dance. And their people always, always learn, sophisticated people thank what they don't see. Very unsophisticated. 
It bothers me when ball players don't appreciate the old players that built their sport. It bothers me. There are two types of basketball, baseball players. One, I don't care the earlier players. I don't even know them. It's very stupid. They built your sport. You're making millions on their backs. They built your sport. You'll see the smart players have gratitude. The smart, sophisticated ones actually know the old-time players. They appreciate it. It's a human instinct. It bothers me a lot. Unsophisticated, unintelligent people only thank the waiter. Smart people thank the chef. The unsophisticated person, the waiter, brings the chicken. He brings the he brings the rice out of the door of the kitchen. See if the, the waiter thank you for the rice. The sophisticated guy says, "Hey, he didn't make it behind that door. There was a cook." Hey, sophisticated people thank the cook. In the words of the Gemara Babakama, certainly thank the poorer, but don't forget the owner. If I'm in Ike Cohn's house and I pour Shmuley a, 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 a drink, he says, thank you, thank I was pouring Ike's drink. It's very nice you thank me. Don't forget the owner whose drink it is. I'm giving you his drink. Sophisticated people trace it back. You're liking these shivas, so do I. This place is magical. Somebody built it with a lot of work, a lot of Messiah Snevish. He always owns it, right? Overlander put years and years and years of difficult work. Anybody knows that the start of something, and certainly that was work done before we began, Rabbi Chefet Shlita, put in work into creating a certain infrastructure. Rai Overlander built what we have today with tremendous, tremendous work, built what we have today, and I want to be maketoiv for years and years for what we have, everything we have, and the schar, that's pasha. I don't give out schar. It's not our job and it's not our place. We don't give out Hashem schar, but it's good to people to be aware of this. When you invest in something true, when you invest in something proper, the schar, the Chayv Salvava speaks about this. The Chayv Salvava says if you have a bigger tzaddik, but he's only a tzaddik for himself, he doesn't, he doesn't help others, and you have another person who helps others, that person has much, much more schar, much. It's, 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 it's not even comparable, the Chayv Salvava describes. We come from Avram Avinu, who gave a hood about the next person. So I want to thank Arab Avram, Rabbi Oberlander, for all the work on behalf of everybody, really to thank him for the years and years that he invested in this yeshiva. I want to, um, I want to say that this, this period, as much as I, the reason we make an event, I explained before, Rabbi Oberlander. Could you come to the front? Go ahead, thank you. The reason, that we, the reason that we make this event, I was explaining before why we do it, and a lot of thought goes into it. We can easily just gather the Rebbeim. To us, the Rebbeim, Yoel Tepler was best friends with Danny and Ellie, probably the best friend they have, was friends with both of them. And other guys here were friends with Danny and Ellie. Other guys were in yeshiva at the time. We can easily make, in my house, in my Oberlander's house, a gathering. The reason we do for the whole yeshiva is to give merits to Danny and Ellie. That is our only thought. 
It's not a manipulation. It's not even like the thought, let's inspire. Guys do get inspired, and I want that inspiration because I want to give a gift to Daniel Eli. That's the only reason. It's not to bring out sadness. It's to talk about growth. It's to talk about sincerity. We learn tremendous things from that incident. I want to share two things that, that I learned from the incident, from that happening. Tomorrow we'll have opportunity to talk about Danny and Ellie. I want to say two things that it changed my perspective, two things that I want to share with you guys very, very quickly. Thing number one that I want to say is that a lot of people love us. A guy's lovable. A lot of people love us. A lot. And it's wonderful. Friends are wonderful. Friends love us is wonderful. Never, ever forget that mom and dad love you more than anybody in the world. Never forget that. It's a big mistake to forget it. Ellie and Donnie were nifter. The blow still lives with me today. No question, right? Russ, who was very close, it lives with today. Right? Oberlin, who was very close, it lives with anybody involved. Right? Madeline, it lives with till today. Does it sad? It exists. It doesn't disappear into nothing. It just, it just doesn't. But it's not the same as parents. It's not the same. Nobody loves a kid like parents. Friends, the blow is deep, is real, and lives. It's not the same Cyrus for parents. It's silly not to know that reality. It doesn't mean we don't have challenges. We all have challenges relating to our parents, appreciating our parents. Society is very busy to blame our parents for all our problems and to be angry at them and to just walk around bitter. Our parents are human beings. It's silly to forget that the one who loves us most in the world is mom and dad. And, this, and Ellie and Danny, one of the things, one of the many lessons, but I want to share now with you, is that lesson of how much parents love a kid. Don't ever forget it. When I talk to a parent, I try very hard and harder and harder since Danny and Ellie to remember they like the kid more than me. Don't forget that. They have more history. They have more challenges. They have more blockages to see things. They like him more than me. I love their kid. They like him more. Don't ever forget that in our parents. The ones who love us most are mom and dad. It's silly not to remember that. Now, we might have our frustrations, but that fact, at least keep the truth. We're human beings, and we're remember, light is capable of choosing that which is fake over that which is real. But it's never really a good idea to ignore real. Authentic and real, it's not such a good idea. It's not so smart. You end up looking like light. So I just think it's Kedai to remember the love parents have to a kid. Ellie's father is very, very sick. His name is Rafal Mordechai ben Gettel. Please remember that your parents love you. Whatever tainas, whatever mistakes, whatever human, and they love you, you have friends. My friend loves me, your friend does love you, not like your parents. My Rebbe, he loves love you, not like your parents. Don't forget that fact. It's, it's an important fact. It has to matter the truth. Parents love their kid. It's the truth. Does that take away a mistake they made? Does it delegitimize a feeling? No. But it has to also be lived with that fact. It can't be forgotten. It's too relevant. It's too important. The love a parent has to a kid. That's one lesson. And the second lesson that I want to share is that we saw that a person's irreplaceable. You would think we're years later on. We have, we have a, we, we've spoken about this habit I've spoken to other Rebbeim. There's the following habit of Rebbeim. I'll tell you why we do it, but it's the stupidest thing. But I, do it, I do it this year. I do it now. I've done it now. 
I don't regret doing it, otherwise I would stop it. But it's, I know also while I'm doing it that it's just nothing. You know what Rebbeim do? When a Bachar comes, we try to size up who he is. Huh. Like I see a guy, I see a Bachar come, you try to put him. I see a Bachar, Ike. Like I put him somewhere. You put him in that box of who he is who he reminds you of. Now, we do it because unfamiliarity scares us. When somebody's unpredictable, I'm, I'm very afraid of dogs. You know what scares about dogs? I don't know what they're going to do next. They look so unpredictable. By the way, the people that aren't scared of dogs know how to control a dog. The reason they're not scared is the dog's very predictable. They just have been, if I learned the know-how how to control a dog, I wouldn't be afraid but I just, I look, say, look at that. I was bitten as a kid by a dog. So I definitely have more to sense. I got stitches, bit me right on my leg, took a nice chunk out. I had to get stitches. I was gushing blood. So to me, they're the picture of un, they're not predictable. People who know how to handle a dog are not scared of a dog. They're predictable. So when we see a person, the unknown, the new guy, like, what is he? What? We want to know what you're going to do, who you are. It's just safe for me, like you're predictable. You'll do, the, you'll do the predictable thing. You put a guy in a box and you call him somebody so you can, like, get some patterns here and feel safer, like what he's going to do, who he is. That's, that's probably the shirish of why we do it. It's very silly because no, everybody's unique. Unique chances of Kiddush Shemayim. Unique adventure. Unique wonderfulness. People are unique. You're so silly when you box them in. Now we do, Maish, it's hysterical over the years. You do it more and more because you have more people to put them like. But you also have more realization that nobody, new people are like. And you just, it's a silly habit. We even like talk. Another, and I, and I, I call it that. It's, that. it's never, there's no such thing. Danny and Ellie brought that home in a tremendous way. We never replaced. There's a, there's a hole in yeshiva. It's never been... Danny's never come again. Never. Never. Ellie has never come. You would think there's so many cool, wonderful, amazing... This is a place of amazing people. The beautiful people that walk through the doors. So, did, did Ellie come again? He didn't. He's never... There's one Ellie. He's in Olamaba. He's never been replicated. We haven't gotten him back. Danny is one. It very much drove home the uniqueness and specialness of, one, of, the, of the person that can't be duplicated. Each person is valuable and important. You could ask why to take that to bring this home in that way and, and every person different things hit in different ways. This hit me in this way with the, the loss of Danny and Ellie. Even trying to take comfort in other friends, other people. We've had a lot. There's a hole. No, they're not replaced. Always remember that in a person. He's not just another. He's not, he's not, well, you can, you know, get rid of him. And a person is precious and valuable and important and not replaceable. There's like cynical lines that everybody's replaceable. I think that's the stupidest line. Nobody's replaceable. It's the stupidest line. The cynic says everybody's replaceable. Nobody's irreplaceable. That's the dumbest thing I heard in my life. Everybody's not replaceable. There's no such thing as a replaceable person. Everybody's irreplaceable. Everybody's extremely important. Their journey's important. Who they are, what they bring, how they accomplish is massively important. 
We yearly gather, and tomorrow we'll speak about them both. You know why? Because they still matter, because everybody does. A Yid matters, and he matters eternally. And their growth, and what they accomplished, and how they moved in their career matters, and it still matters. And it's always going to matter. And a person matters. And I think that's an important thing to always remember, that people matter. Learn to understand that in yeshiva. There are a lot of personalities, a lot of types, a lot of journeys. Each person's unique. And it's not always, we don't always have the capacity to like tune into and to like live and get excited. But each person's journey, we're limited. We're human beings. But try as much as you can to respect each person. Try to appreciate their journey matters. Their accomplishments matter. Their task is unique. What they can bring and accomplish is very unique. Nobody can duplicate that. Nobody. And try to appreciate that. That's the second thing. If everybody can validate one person, guys need validation. They need to prove they count, prove they matter. Find one guy and prove it to him. Take guys on walks. Take a guy, every guy. Take a, take a 10th grader. Talk sports, talk politics, talk clothing, talk anything. Just show him he matters and he counts. Take one guy and show him he counts. Prove it. Don't, don't show him and don't give him lectures. Just he counts and he matters and he's important. I watched today, I watched Ike have a conversation with a younger guy in the yeshiva. I promised it was Kulai validation and Ike wasn't trying to be firm, trying to be nice. He just has absorbed the values of the yeshiva. The conversation, he gave chiyos. He, the other guy, I promise you, was a firmer guy after a two-minute conversation. Because an older person validated, valued, appreciated. There was, but there was no from kai to it. You know, at the first start of our Aveda, it comes out very from. When you do a lot of things in Yiddishkeit, it comes out very from. It's very uncomfortable when a guy's being from. At the first step, you're trying to respect people. Like you're working hard at respecting that jerk and that bum and that guy with the earring on. You're like working hard to respect them. When you develop and your Avodah Hashem becomes more natural and more real and more comfortable, you're not fighting yourself. You respect him and you appreciate him. And a four-minute conversation, the guy's from her. His kids are better off. His, everything about his history is different. A person matters and counts and is important and has jobs and has a task that's irreplaceable. Everybody's irreplaceable. The Danny and Ellie saga of losing two precious people and thinking over the years in a place that's had much siyata d'shmaya and tremendous success, can't they move on? Like again tomorrow, you're going to make another memorial gathering? Could you guys move on already? No, no, we're not moving on from one. We're going to be loyal to them because there's Ellie and there's Danny. We don't, no, there's no new people taking the place. It's not, right, Overlander over the years has been amazing at keeping in touch with guys continuously. That's all part of this and it's taught me a lot of keeping in touch and keeping a cashier. A person's not, okay, next one up. <laughs> there's this person, there's this person. The connection that Ray Oblender has kept for years with guys, the Ellie and Donnie yard side is because we keep a cashier with guys for years because they matter and they count. It's not the next one fills the hole, they count. Right, Oberlander's years and years keeping in touch with guys and involved and helping in all different ways has been really an inspiration to see. And right to this lesson of each one, of each person, when people ask how many guys are in the yeshiva, the answer and only true answer is you. 
That's the only answer. One person. It's not, it's not numbers. We never know. This is something we agreed upon. We never know the numbers. We might argue how many guys should be in yeshiva. And we both agree we shouldn't know the number. It's not a... There are, we both agree you shouldn't know this. It's not about numbers. It's not about how many... <laughs> that deserves a cheer. That deserves a cheer. <laughs> I thank the guys that earlier there wasn't the cheer. Some thank you. It's like very um, political. You give that polite cheer. This one is way too serious. This gathering is intense. I need to end. I need to end with the song for Lecover I want the visual. Could somebody? I need it loud. I need it blasted loud. Who has only with love? Where's Ashi? I need it loud, really loud. Where's Ashi? Very loud, though. I am loud. We don't have another iPad? So let me just give right... right, right let me give... We have a speaker? Let me... He ran together. So, Tzvi, let me give the visual before we play the song. Two guys stole a song. They made it. It's a Jewish... We put a yarmulke. We were The song's officially a Jewish song. It went through... I saw the gear process. It went through Geiris... Tfila, Mila, Alts. It's a from song. <laughs> it's, it's, you, know, you know, it's ironic. Guy says, it's a Jewish song. I don't, I don't know a Jewish song. Like it has, it, it went to the Tfil. I don't know what, I still have not figured out. Jewish guy, that Jewish song that, that sound awfully guyish to me. Guy, I, I'm not sure what that is yet. One day I'll learn. Maybe I'll get educated. I was laughing. A few of our guys were in the gazebo. And they were listening to a very Sephardic song. And the music was like very Sephardic. And the, the Rushford guys passed by. And they heard this like very ethnic music. And that's how they picture us, with our horn under our hip thing, covering the horn, and like shaking with maybe carpets to like, like Arabic like music. And they started imitating the, the music. The rush for kids walked by, and they were laughing, and they were imitating the music, like the, the ethnic music. I was thinking to myself, like, there'd be many Gishmaka songs that they would actually, like, relate very much to. That's Jewish. Like, <laughs> like what's called Jewish, not... It, it's just a funny Matthias. But this song's a very Jewish song. What I want, what I want, the visual of this song, the song is, only love will save us now. And my visual that I want, I want to, on one side, I want to see riots, people in the streets looting stores, politicians hurling insults at each other, news commentators blasting this one, blasting that one, strife, maskers against anti-maskers, vaccinators against anti-vaccinators, you have a whole bunch of that. And then I want to show him the sift of Waterbury. I want to see Mendy Cash, just a video following his day, giving chizuk to this one, encouragement to that one. I just want a video of Durham. I want to just follow Menachem Rosner around the whole day. Yes. A hug, an encourage, a nice word. See Martha running like a night activity, running like a mass. You're three for, it's three, for three with the music nights, like magical ones. We, we've spoken the contrast of the music nights over the years. I want to hire like Yitz Shoshan to come up and do like an old Kalbach. Like, <laughs> it's moved a little. <laughs> Yaisen, every once in a while, like, sets us a little back on the derech, like, reminds us. <laughs> what?
It still could be. It's all guy by guy. It's what you bring us to, Viggy. But that's what I want, the visual of this song. Only love will save us now. It's Yosef Zaidel and Zebi Ginniger. Let's end with this. This sugya. Let's end this sugya really thanking Hashem that we're part of a place that values each person, that knows and celebrates how much our parents love us. Only love will save us now. Ash, if you could play it pretty loud. This is for Ioberlander. He took me seriously. Wow. How much more are we going to take? How many nights do we have to lie awake? How many tears are we going to cry? We can't wish until the well runs dry. But what happens when the sky above runs out of every single shooting star? And what if every good intention's only meant to go so far? Only love, only love can save us now. Keep the world from burning down, down, down to the ground, ground, ground. Much, it's too much. It's <laughs> it knocks it out.
yeshiva. Let's do Ashi Rewind. I, there's two Bachram in yeshiva that did, did this song. Somebody wrote it. A little bit of a rewind. We won't do the whole song. <laughs> Oh! <laughs>